And a good Friday morning to you all. As I sit here looking out the mayor's office, uh, it's a sort of a dreary, rainy day. Good afternoon. Good morning, Mayor. Morning, morning. Mark. You make a dark day brighter, Mark. Wow. <laughs> we should do this in the morning more often. I actually you, said that with a straight face. <laughs> usually we're scrambling to do this at the end. I'm Mark Carey, the mayor's media director, and we are with his honor. Mayor Tom Koch. This is his podcast. It's called Podcast Quincy. Actually, it's called City View with Tom Koch. City with, yeah, City View with Tom Koch, but it's also, um, uh, you want to find it on your podcast platform, your favorite podcast platform. Please search for Podcast Quincy. So, it's Friday, Mayor. It's been kind of a busy week in the city. It's interesting. You know, we the, the year was dragging by for a period of time there, but the last three months have just flown by. Yeah. I mean, here we are uh, on, on July Really, you think about it. Yeah. It's amazing. But we just had the first day of summer just the other day, so I'm still kind of holding on to that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We've had some pretty good weather. The rain is good, keeps things green, good for the plants, but uh, I hope to, I, th- I think everyone's ready. I think it's going to be one hell of a summer for a lot of yeah. people. I think a lot <laughs> I think of people so holding back for a while and so you know, let it fly. Well, and, and uh, they can, actually, in some ways, we can, we, can move, we can move the city forward because the budget has passed officially, I think, last night, right? Yes, that's my understanding. I got a text from my chief of staff last night that the budget passed seven to two. You know, were two nights of pretty lengthy finance committee meetings. Um, each year, as you know, Mark, we present the annual budget as required by the law, 45 days before the end of the fiscal year. And then the city council, through usually the chairman of the finance committee, in this case, Dave McCarthy, sends up a sets up uh, committee meetings and then invites all the department heads in. They present their budget. Take questions and uh, and and on it goes, and council deliberates and makes decisions. Uh, so I appreciate the city council's, uh, I you know uh, their support, their work, their due diligence. But and I said this before, I get repetitive, but I think that budget really reflects the values of our city. You know, it's fully funding police and fire, additional funding for our school department. Um, we have an incredible school system that uh, does incredible work for each and every kid in our system and serves our families so well. The library services, the parks, senior services, you name it. I mean, City Quincy, I, I said it before, and I'll, and I'll brag because this isn't about me. This is about all of our public servants and civil servants that work at every day on behalf of the residents. I don't think there's a community of the Commonwealth that equals the services they get in the City of Quincy. So this budget is a reflection of that. We fall in line probably in mid-range of 351 cities and towns for taxes, but we're right at the top, top tier, top 1% of what we provide for services to our residents. So I think that's a damn good value. And the uh, pension obligation bond uh, passed as well, right? It did. Yeah, this pen- the pension obligation bond, I know we've talked about that a little yes. bit, that had great implications on the budget. Each year, and as, you know, when we go to plan the budget, every year, the first two things we look at Okay, what is the increase in the retirement costs? What is the increase in health care? Those are the two unknowns every year we start with. And every year they go up, just the, the nature of the beast. So looking at the pension obligation bond, uh, it was an opportunity to reduce that, that cost each and every year. So and I, I think it's worth going, going through one more time, Mark. Last fall, I asked my chief financial officer, Eric Mason, and his team. By the way, he's got an incredible team down there. To take a look at this issue, whether it was time we go out and do a major bond issue and put the unfunded liability to rest, to put it, you know. And reviewing this back in 06, it was actually Council Lodge John Keenan who actually pushed through a home rule petition. So it was supported by the council and the mayor. It went in to the legislature and was passed. 
So essentially, that Homer petition set this up for us. He didn't push the issue at the time as far as executing, but he basically said, look, this is a great opportunity to have it ready. And if at any time in the future, when rates are at a certain point, this would make sense to do. So it was actually the city council that started this idea back in 06. So again, credit to the council back then and certainly credit to then councilor now Senator John Keenan on this issue. John was always pretty sharp on the financial side. So we didn't have to go through that step of a home rule petition to get the legislation to allow us to do it this time. So now it was a simple act of, okay, putting the program together, putting the plan together, go to the city council, get their approval for the plan, which they did. There was a lot of questions on it, and understandably so. Yeah. You know, when you talk about $475 million, that's a lot of money and a lot of people get a little concerned and, and maybe afraid even to talk about those kinds of numbers. But here's the deal. July 1st, the retirement costs would have gone up to $36 million in our budget. That would have been a $4 million increase in the next fiscal year budget. Instead of that, we dropped this year, the initial year, it's, it's somewhere around $16 million. And every year going forward, we know exactly what we'll be paying. Instead of it going up every year, another four, five, or six million, it stays the same going forward. So going forward, we save that essentially eight or nine million dollars a year going forward. So it stabilizes the budget. So we had to fight for the six votes. You need six votes on a bond issue. It's a supermajority when it comes to those issues. So we had to fight for those uh, those votes. And and I still don't understand. I just don't understand uh, why a city council would not do it. There's cities all across the country doing it. Andover Town Meeting approved it by over 70% uh, two weeks ago to do this up in Andover. Theirs was $175 million, but they're a smaller system. Mm-hmm. The numbers are smaller. Yeah. So I, I just felt from day one, and I say this with all due respect, this was a no-brainer. This was a pure math issue. This was not political. This was not crazy policy. This was a pure math issue. We were putting to bed an unfunded liability. Yeah, that's it, unfunded. And, and then putting forward a program whereby it costs us less each year to deal with the retirement system. And people should understand, under the law, we're required to pay this. Yeah. So you, you can look at it as an unfunded liability, or you could fund, look at it as a bond with a debt. It's the same thing, except that through the debt, we control our own destiny. But I guess that was we the lower disconnect. the cost. That was the disconnect. I, perhaps. Right I, you know, there, was some, there was some questions and concerns. Well, what if the, the stock market crashes? Well, if that happens, the same thing's going to occur. Either way. Whether we do this or not, our bill's going to go absolutely crazy over there anyway. So it, that, to me, was a hollow argument, but I understand the question on it. But again, I, I appreciate the, those councils that supported it. It gives us great stability going forward. And I know uh, Councilor McCarthy was with it uh, in Ward 1. Uh, Anthony Andronico was with it. Brian Pamucci, the Ward 4 Council, was with it. Chuck Phelan, Ward 5. Councilor Harris and, and I, th- I think Councilor DeBorna. So we had, the, we had the six votes on it. And, um, you know, and I know it's a big number. We're not used to seeing these kinds of numbers at this level. So I'm sure, just as we got some questions from the public, I'm sure they're getting some questions from the residents. But at the end of the day, when you look at the numbers, you look at the math, this made absolutely perfect sense. In fact, one of the councils said to me, I don't want to single the person out because I don't want to embarrass the person, but uh, they reached out to a number of financial people, not the financial experts we usually use, which are top-notch in every one of them, to the person said, this is something you absolutely should do. Uh, Well, this council also said every CPA, every financial (laughs) person this person reached out to, they all said the same thing. So it it just makes perfect sense. You know, sometimes 
some of these same councils say, you know, so government should be more like business. Business would have done this in a heartbeat, Mark, in a mm. heartbeat, yeah. because it makes sense financially, period, period. This has nothing to do with liking or not Mayor Koch. This has nothing to do with uh, any well, kind of crazy too. policy. Uh, oh, there is that in general. I get that. Hey, listen, yeah. um, my mother loved me. That's all it counts. <laughs> I think you're a good guy. <laughs> well, that's it. That was a. It's it's been a great couple of weeks in that sense. Thank you. It, yeah, it's always a busy time us. of year. It's always crunch time. You know, it's yeah. in and we do it every year. I mean, we present the budget every. Year. It's not new. There's very little change in the budget from year to year structurally. I mean, it's this, the same departments, and you know, it's not like you're starting from zero from scratch. No, it's essentially the same budget with going forward. Okay, what are the additions? What are the changes? And one of the major changes was. The POB, the Pension Obligation Board, allowing us to lower the numbers on the budget, essentially increasing our revenue and stabilizing things going forward. I, I, other cities, cities have done it, but other cities did it in a time when the interest rates were higher. This is the absolute perfect time to do it. And let me give you one, one more analysis on it because I think this makes perfect sense because everyone that owns a home has refinanced their home. At least once, maybe twice, sometimes three times. Sometimes folks get into debt. Maybe it's college tuitions, maybe it's credit card debt, or maybe it's a car loan. And perhaps they were at five or six percent on their mortgage. They get a new rate at two point eight five and refinance the house. They consolidate the debt, and the monthly payment is less. Yeah. So I, I, that's a great analysis for it. Yeah. You, people that do that at home, we're doing that as a city with our unfunded liability, essentially. Yeah, I think the number just probably scared people, but but sure. uh, thank goodness it's uh, behind us and we got it and you got it done and the budget is passed and now we can move on with uh, the business of government. Absolutely, no, absolutely. And, and and now we're in the position where the libraries are opening up. You know where uh, everything seems to be opening up again, which is awesome, which is great. I, yeah. I think that uh, you know in talking to people and running into people, and I was at Alba for an event last night, and the rooftop was was humming and, and uh, a lot of folks there and excitement and happy and people are just thrilled to be back at it and back out. So good. It should be a great summer, as I said at the start of the show, Mike. Yeah, I was, it was a cool night last night. I was at the marina for the first time all year. I haven't been out there yet, and it was just packed and buzzing. That's it was great. great. Really That's fun. Great. Yeah, yeah, my brother Brian is in from D.C., and mm -hmm. uh, it's some fun. Well, Mayor, you, you had a pretty uh, highbrow visitor yesterday. Want to talk about that a little bit? From the Navy, I believe. Yeah, actually, uh, I know we've talked a lot about the General's Bridge and the dedication coming up in September, but we've also been quietly working on a memorial to the Navy. And um, some people that have been to Washington, D.C. know about the Lone Sailor statue. It's in front of the, uh, it, it's actually the Navy Memorial in D.C. And it's a, it's a bronze statue of a sailor in his peacoat and hat with his hands in his pockets with a duffel bag next to him, kind of looking in the distance, kind of looking at, at the water, the ocean. And... You know, once that went in in Washington, they have a group that, you know, they try to get one, at least one in every state. There are none in Massachusetts. The city of Quincy has a long, as we've talked about, military history. Not only actually people in serving, but you look at the shipbuilding that went on in the city for both World War I and World War II. Absolutely incredible, yeah. the shipyards. And there were yards here, not just one. You know, so we're looking at a location um, for the lone sailor statue. At the same time, we're also identifying Quincy people that went on through the Navy that went to the rose to the rank of admiral. Mm. And we've located eight admirals to, at this point who served in the Navy from the city of Quincy. So we're, we had a visit from Admiral Frank Thorpe. He was, he's a retired admiral, but he's now in charge of the Navy Memorial. So he's kind of still connected with the Navy. 
I took him for a tour of the General's Bridge area because I wanted him to understand the way Quincy does things. That, yeah. you know, we don't do anything half-hearted. Or, <laughs> he was actually blown away. And then he, he says, um, General Ron Rand. He says, I, I know Ron Rand. He says, uh, we, we, we served together in, in some capacities. He's Navy and, and General Rand was Air Force. But, uh, and then he went on to talk about, we, we got talking about 9-11 because, as you know, we're dedicating the General's Bridge on 9-11 this September 11th this year. And I was asking about his service, and he's telling me the story, and I, I hope it's, um, I don't think it was in confidence. He didn't say off the record, and it's all factual. So the day he worked in the Pentagon, he was in the D ring of the Pentagon building. Yeah. And he said then him and, and the folks in there uh, were watching the TV and saw the, you know, the, the report of the first plane hitting. Wow. And uh, they, they were all perplexed to get the TV on. And then the second plane hit, and, uh, and then, you know, he said they were talking. He said, geez. You know, this building could be hit, you know, from, we got airports right around us, blah, blah, blah. And, and they, they were getting, you know, a little very serious and sort of, they knew something big was happening. So let's, let's grab a cup of coffee. We're going to come back to the office. And so he, he says, they're walking, the group of them are walking away from their office area. And he yells back to the receptionist, hey, do you want a cup of coffee? I forget what her name was, he said. And uh, she said, yeah, whatever it was. And. Literally, as they're walking away, the plane hit the Pentagon, and it it pushed through and hit the D-ring. It actually blew this woman, the secretary, across the room, and she landed on a desk on the other side. Had they been where they were supposed to be in their offices, there probably would have been more fatalities and, at at the very least, some real bad injuries. Wow. And he was telling me that day, and and boy, um, you could see the emotion in him telling that story, Uh, certainly as a you know, as, as a, as a military person, as a veteran, yeah. uh, but also as a human being, how, how horrible that day was and how people, real people's lives were, were touched and changed and, uh, forever. You know, we, we had two individuals from the city of Quincy who grew up in Quincy who were killed that day in, in airplanes. So it's, uh, it's, it's hard to believe it's going to be 20 years for that. This year, but it was yeah. remarkable talking about that. And then coincidentally enough, I get back to the office and they went on their way. We looked at a couple locations that we're considering for the Lone Sailor statue and the Navy Memorial. And after talking about General Ron Rand, I get back in my office and my cell phone rings, and it was General Ron Rand. I said, General, you're not going to believe this, but I was just with a guy by the name uh, Admiral Thorpe. He says, Frank Thorpe? I says, yeah. <laughs> we were just talking about you. He said, oh, he was a great guy. We, we did some stuff together. And it's just a coincidence. Uh, and as you know, we're working on the documentary for the general. So General Rand was reaching out to set up a time to to get the interview in, in the books. So uh, good stuff, really good stuff. That uh, is good stuff. And, and a reminder again on this podcast that as part of the General's Bridge dedication, we have been saying it over and over through the social media, through the Quincy Sun ads and all, but anybody that grew up in Quincy that went into the service or anyone that now lives in Quincy that was in the service, a veteran, is eligible to be on the honorary committee. Unfortunately, we don't have like a master list of people that right. get sent to us when people move in out of the city. You have to tell us of your service here at the mayor's office. If you could reach out to our office and talk to Mary Mulvey, we'll include you in the honorary committee. We're up to about, I think, about 500 names at this point, Mark. So there's a lot of folks, I am sure, out there that have not yet signed up. And I know there's a lot of veterans that are very modest and humble, and no, I, I don't want to do that. I don't, my name doesn't need to be in that. But... It's, it's part of a very special day to honor our military leadership. And General Dunford's the one that said to me, I want the enlisted men and women involved in this. They're the ones that make it happen. So um, this is part of that whole 
theme, if you will, of the day to honor the enlisted men and women in addition to the incredible leaders that come from Quincy that have served. Yeah, I love that he said that. I heard, somebody had mentioned to me, you know, I hope, it's, I hope it's more about the enlisted men too. I said, well, that's exactly what General Dunford said. It's about that. Yeah, indeed. The flip side, I said to General Dunford when I first spoke to him about this, I said, look, there are monuments all across the city for the enlisted men and women. There are no monuments for the leadership in the city. And when you think about 18 generals from Quincy since the Revolutionary War, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, that is. And, yeah. and that's, that is an incredible commitment. I, I forget what the answer was. I asked him, how many times as a family did you have to move? You don't think about those things. You know, you, you think about, oh, a four-star general, that's incredible, and what great opportunity. But you don't start as a four-star general. Mm. You go through every rank. You're constantly moving, different assignments. Your family moves. You you know, I, I said, it must be tough on, on the spouses and, and the children. And so, you, th- you know, there's a sacrifice involved in that. So I think it's worthy of honoring. And these, these, these individuals are incredible people. They're great Americans. They're modern day patriots. And I think it's appropriate. So it's going to be a great day. September well, much like the Hancock Adams Common, I mean, this new General's Bridge and this park and everything, this helps to really enrich the story of Quincy. It, it, it becomes a tourist attraction, just not that that's what you're that, that's what we're thinking or what you're thinking at all. But by doing this, it just adds to the story of the city and it becomes a tourist attraction by, by, just by what it is. Indeed. We, we have an incredible heritage in the city that we should be proud of in so many ways. Oh, yeah. This is another aspect of that. It speaks to the generals, but it speaks in, uh, generally to <laughs> the service of the men and women since the Revolutionary War that stepped up from the city in higher numbers than most communities so it's something we should talk about. And I'll also add that, you know, you mentioned the Hancock Adams Common, the General's Park. We have fountains, water elements, statues, beautiful park elements that elevates the entire city, whether, whether it's for visitors or residents alike. Oh, yeah. It elevates the city. You can't go to a world-class city without enjoying beautiful, green, open spaces with incredible park elements. Now, I'm not suggesting we are a big world-class city. We've, we've elevated, the, raised the bar, if you will, in the city. And the history of the city, I think, makes us a world-class city. Of course it and, does. And, and yeah. I don't mean to, to be boastful, although I am. I'm, I'm not boasting about me. I'm boasting about this city. Yeah. This city is incredible. The people are incredible. The history is incredible. And we ought to talk about it. And we ought to memorialize it. Well, we've always been a tourist attraction just for, our, just for the history alone. But you've sort of helped to, in, in, with the folks that you've put in charge of creating a larger world-class place that they could visit for the historical elements. I'm going to embarrass one person. I don't know if Barbara Isola listens to this. Yeah. Barbara used to be on the school committee. And I remember years ago talking about some of these issues. Yeah. And even when we were fighting to get the votes on the Hancock Adams Common, I remember Barbara Isola, who's originally from New York, said to me, says, you know what, Mayor? She says, the problem with the city is some people have an inferiority complex that we're not good enough for these things. <laughs> I said, you know, Barbara, I never thought of that. But sometimes an outsider... Opens your eyes and ears oh, on, yeah. on some issues, and, and I thought about it. And I said, you know, I'll take it a step further. This city deserves these things. This city deserves the Hancock Adams Common. It truly does. Mm. And uh, so, if Barbara's listening, hello, Barbara. I miss you on the school committee. I hope all is well. But and I don't mean to be critical of anybody, but I know sometimes in, in each of our own worlds, we we become very modest and all. These issues are much bigger than ourselves. This tells the story. It connects us generation to generation. In, in our city, in our history. And I, and I think it's awesome, good stuff. So it is. We're going to keep doing it. I remember when I was in tours and people used to talk about 
we have a town mentality in a city. Well, in, this, in the right areas, that's the beauty of this city. It's such a suburb and it's such a city at the same time, right? Keeping it along the downtown area. But we've always had sort of a town or a town sort of mentality. Now that sure. it's focused on the city. Yeah. I mean, it's with the seventh largest city in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts out of 351. So we are a significant city in Massachusetts. I would argue we're a significant city in New England. But we do still have those, oh, I would, you know, we call them neighborhoods, but yeah. some in other parts of the country would call them hamlets or villages. Within the city, there are several neighborhoods that give you that small town feel. A lot of people say, they don't say they're from Quincy. They say they're from Howes Neck or Squanum yeah. or Quincy Point <laughs> or, you know, or Atlantic. I mean, Montclair. I mean, Nonc- it's, no fork down. Yeah. Uh, you know, when I go and if I'm traveling, I don't say I'm from Boston. I say I'm from Quincy. Yeah, you know, most people that say they're from Boston aren't from Boston. They're around the Boston area, yeah. and I get it. I get, I get it. But we're we're a city that should be extremely proud of our history, and I think we got to continue to exploit it for all the right reasons. And I know we'll talk. We'll spend many other issues talking about this in the future. But as we move to uh, 2022 and beyond, we'll be also talking with bringing in the Massachusetts tribe and talking with... Uh, Absolutely. You, we've yep. been meeting several times with Ferris, Ferris Gray and telling that story because that story has not long been... So it's never been told properly. And we've, you've invited them to this table here in your office many times, the, the, the Massachusetts tribe, uh, the Ponkapog band of the Massachusetts tribe, and they've been telling their story as well. Absolutely. That'll be fun. It will. Well... Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Mayor. We'll uh, see you next time. 